what's going on here in this gospel in part is basically two kinds of kings, two kinds of authority, two kinds of power. Herod and on the other side, three kings. King Herod first, a puppet king. He was not really a king. No, the Romans, of course, occupied the Middle East. That was part of the empire. There were no other kings but Caesar in Rome. So Herod is a Jew, and he is in charge of the Jews. He's been paid, and he is expected to raise the taxes for the empire. So he really doesn't have much power in the sense of a real king. He's very insecure, politically very, very insecure. And so when he hears the news that there's another king on the scene, a prince who's been born, a newborn king of the Jews, king for all the Jews, not just Judah, not Judea, but for all, he's very incensed. He's very, very upset and anxious and worried. And so he's fascinated by these other kings that arrive from other parts of the Middle East, probably Syria, Iran, Iraq. They were coming because they had noticed, as we know from history, this incredible phenomenon of light, this energy, light, a star that appears in the Middle East every oh, century or so, and they followed it. It hovers there for many months, and they traveled. They were astrologers. They were the physicists of their day. They were the very bright and educated scientists, fascinated by light, fascinated by energy. And we still are today as we look into the Hubble telescope and try to look at light, the origins of energy. Fascinating. It's always appealed to mankind. And so they follow this star, this energy, this light, and they're led to Bethlehem. And they are just so happy to have calculated all of this and to follow the star, and they go to Herod. We've got news for you. We found a new king. Not good news. Not good news. No. See, Herod was threatened from the very beginning. Now, this is King Herod, who is going to be succeeded later by another Herod. And these Herods are very insecure. And this Herod, at the time of Jesus' birth, is going to kill him. He doesn't want to offer homage. He calls them secretly into a private room and says, go and get detailed knowledge about the child, right? So that I too may go and kill him. And that's what he does. We know historically that Herod arranged for the murder of every newborn baby boy under the age of two for this entire region with a desperate hope that he would find that baby and kill him. So here is Herod. And you ask yourself, why is he so threatened? Jesus, as this newborn king, this long-awaited Messiah, has no army, has no navy, has no money, has no nobility, and there's no known history. He hasn't conquered other lands. He's not of that type. But Herod is worried. 
What's Herod worried about? Now, Herod's not threatened by Jesus. In his mind, he is. But Herod has threatened himself. Herod cannot accept the truth. The first truth is that he's not really a king. He has no power. And he hates that. But he puts on the display, the show that he has power. I have the power to destroy him. He doesn't succeed. No, King Herod presents for us the image and the whole personhood of someone who cannot stand anyone else telling him what he can or cannot do, how he should think, what he should say, how he should live his life. He is independent. He doesn't even need God. In fact, he's threatened by God. He's an atheist, a classic atheist, who says there can be no God because essentially if there is, then I have to somehow relinquish my power. I have to acknowledge that someone has more power than I do, that someone has more authority over me than I do, that I cannot be my own God. And that's the roots of atheism. The atheist really does know there is a God. That's interesting. They've convinced themselves, though, there cannot be a God because I don't want anyone to rule over me. I don't want another king. I don't want another power. I don't want anyone or anything or any place to tell me what I can or cannot do. Classic. This is Herod. Now, the other kings, they're bright. They're very sophisticated. They're wise physicists of their day. These astrologers, the great physics of their day, they understand that there's no way to explain energy or light or this universe without ultimately appealing to something which is not energy, which is not physical. It must be truly metaphysical. The origins of metaphysics come from the ancient world. And they were wise because they recognized that only God can create, can cause, can move something from nothing into being. Namely, light, energy. Fascinating. And so, what do they discover, though? Think about it. When they come and arrive at this cave where Mary and Joseph and the baby are, they don't find a king of royal splendor. They find a hovel, a poverty. It's filthy. It's disgusting. It's inappropriate. It's unfitting. It's unworthy of a king in the eyes of the world. I mean, if I were one of the wise men, and I'm not, but if I were, I'd simply pack up and say, we made a mistake. We're in the wrong place, guys. This doesn't make any sense. This is nonsense. And yet with a play on words, they offer incense. Yes, they offer their gifts because they must have been told by revelation, no, what you're seeing, what you're experiencing is God made flesh. See, that's why this must be revelation because under natural circumstances, these kings would have packed up and left for another place. They would have said our calculations are wrong. Uh, we, we really didn't understand what we're doing. No, to, for them to kneel down and open their gifts 
for this baby boy under those circumstances, as pitiful, as poor, as so disgusting as it was in the eyes of the world, must be a revelation. See, this is how God always works. He's always tried to tell us, I'm not to be found among the trappings of the world. My power is not of the world. My power is eternal. And so therefore, there's a truth and a dignity to the poverty, to the simplicity, to all the stuff that the world says is silly or should be done away with. He's saying, no. No, I will enter into this world as a king in poverty, in humility, in simplicity. And that's why most of the world will always be able to identify with Jesus of Nazareth. Because most of the world really has always been relatively poor. Relatively poor. And we are poor in spirit. In fact, we're all poor. I've come for the poor. He's come for us. The question now is, are you open to that? Are you open a little bit more to the love and forgiveness, the mercy and the truth of God in your lives? You have a choice. You can be Herod and say, no, no. No one's going to do that to me. No one's going to tell me what I can or can't do. No, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to find ways to eliminate the truth in my life, in other people's lives, and in society. I'm going to get rid of God. You think I'm joking. There are forces that have always been at work, and they're really prevalent these days, that want to rid God from the scene and religion and Jesus Christ and the priesthood and you. Oh, no, Herods are out there. They're going to kill not just every little boy under the age of two. We've been seeing that in abortion in our land for years. No, the Herods today are more sophisticated. They want to undermine God. I'm not exaggerating. You know what I'm talking about. No, we're in a constant spiritual warfare with our society, unfortunately. And it's going on. It will always go on. And Jesus has always assured his disciples, look, the world is not your home. Don't make it your home. You get caught up into it, and it will kill you. No, put your trust in me. Put your trust in me. And then you can work in the world so that you're not of the world. You're in the world, but not of the world. No, I have purchased you. I've come for you. So come to me. Come to me. And don't resist. Because what kind of threat can Jesus ever be to you? What kind of threat could Jesus ever be to society? Love is a threat. Mercy, forgiveness, the truth, sure. Oh, it's very hard for people to accept forgiveness. It's very hard for people to forgive. It's hard to show mercy. And so people choose not to forgive, not to show mercy, not to love. That's Herod. But the wise men, on the other hand, no, they're going to open the coffers of their hearts. They're going to bow down before another power. They didn't have to, but they choose to because they recognize the authority of this particular king who from the very beginning of all time established all things and in time took on flesh to be like one of us in all things but sin. So 
this new year. We come with the three kings. We come with Mary and Joseph. We choose authority over us, not because it hurts us, but because it frees us.